0: Today, we are talking to a fan favorite. Join us today on Fostering the Future.
1: Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat.
0: We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, or Instagram as Fostering the Future podcast or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org this is Jack, and today we have a return guest in the studio. We have brenna from episode 33. Welcome back, Brenna. Hello. So nice to see you again. Yeah, and uh, the interesting thing is you've had some changes in your house since we last talked in the studio, <laughs> haven't you? I have had big changes. And your life is probably
1: looking a bit differently now. <laughs> Completely different. My husband and I are foster parents, and we took our first place on December 29th. Uh, it was supposed to be short term and now here we are five <laughs> weeks later and it is no longer short term. Um, we have a five-year-old little boy um, and we are co-parenting with another foster home who has the other three siblings. Does
0: the other foster family know about your background in child welfare? Yes, we actually, the first time she went to drop off one,
1: some of the kids for a sibling visit, um, we sat down and got to know each other. She's been doing this for seven years now, is fostering, um, has eight kids in her home right now. We uh, both talked about our experience, made sure we were on the same page with our credentials. And uh, it's been really well working with her. She's awesome.
0: I feel like if I had one of my kids siblings in another home and I found out their foster parent had a background like you did, I would be so excited because, you know, when you're working with another foster family, the the knowledge and experience that you put together to kind of help advocate for these kids is awesome.
1: Yeah. We've been really good to pair together because she's been in the Hills, you know, the Hillsborough County system for quite some time. So she's familiar with the case managers here and the gals. And then I'm really familiar with how to find resources and things like that. So we're getting our, uh, our five-year-old into t-ball and getting it covered through the sunshine care grant do you know what that is <laughs> yes i do
0: actually and i was gonna throw out two other options since we're mentioning it and a lot of um our listeners are in uh the state of florida in addition to the sunshine care grant which is uh, is it 150 dollars? 150 that- towards anything Sun- health related right and and that's comes from sunshine health insurance mm-hmm. if your kid is assigned to them and it's something that you can apply for through the case manager In addition to that, there's two other resources that um, anybody who wants to sign their kids up for Little League, anywhere in Florida, actually, I think anywhere, anywhere, there's a website if you search for T-Mobile call-up grant, T-Mobile is paying fees for any child who wants to play baseball or softball or t-ball. There's a couple guidelines, Mm -hmm. but they certainly are met by kids in foster care. It's a really quick form you fill out with your information and the child's information. And if they have Medicaid, mm-hmm. you can uh, upload a copy of their Medicaid card and, and that will be sufficient for coverage. Or if they're on sh- school lunch, mm-hmm. uh, reduced or free school lunch, that is enough. Also, if they're on WIC, there's all these different ways that you can apply and be approved. Mm-hmm. And I have used that for my foster kids and my adopted kids from foster care for the past two years. Nice. And um, even one of my kids, the fees went up to almost $100 and they're covering the whole thing, even the processing fees. So that's a great resource for baseball, t-ball, softball. Yeah, definitely. And unlike uh, the Sunshine Care Grant, those will pay in advance. Nice. So you don't even have Have to to pay pay for it. Yeah, they just, they email you and they show you how to make the payment through them. And then the third thing is if you're in the state of Florida, the Caterpillars to Butterflies Mm -hmm. Charitable Foundation will pay for sports, dance, anything like that. So you can just go to their website and give them a call and that's caterflies.org. Those are three awesome resources. Yes. If you are a foster parent or a case manager or gal, what? any way you're related to a foster kid and there's something that they want to do, there are resources out there that will provide financially for that. Brenna. Yes. You're here today to talk about something I'm very excited about. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. And I know like your whole life has been kind of focused towards this for a while. And I know you're excited about this. So you're here to talk to us about yoga and breath work mm-hmm. and the ways that those can be used to support kids in foster care. So first of all, let me ask you, how did you get into this? And what exactly is it that you're doing?
1: It's really funny when I think about like the points, like the milestones in my life that led me to this point. Because when I was in college going to school for social work and psychology, I said I never wanted to get into the child welfare system because, as we all know from episode 33, I was a child in the child welfare system. So I wanted to stay away from it. It took it being the only option for a career when I moved down to Florida. And I was like, I'll just do it for a little bit. I'll find something else and I'll move on. And then (laughs) here I am now where it's literally the only thing I do with my life and my, my, you know, personal life, professional life, every life, all of the lifestyle. Files. <laughs> Is around child welfare, <laughs> so everyone knows kind of my history of my childhood. Who, well, not everyone. Listen to episode thirty-three, and you'll get Go the back. You'll, you'll figure you'll it out. You'll get my childhood history. That kind of led me to kind of that passion. From there, I got a degree in psychology and social work. I knew I kind of wanted to work with kids or teens or young adults. Didn't really know what path back then. Um, I started working in criminal rehabilitation to start out with. It, with Judge Pratt. She just actually had a TED talk. If anyone wants to look it up, she's oh. awesome. Drop her name there. I'm <laughs> um, about working with people in terms of services and intervention measures versus just jail time things like that. So kind of what we do when we work with our bio parents. So we need to get her on the podcast Oh yes. Yeah, so we should get <laughs> Judge Pratt on here. So that was kind of my first touch of like working with people who were in bad situations but kind of I started seeing that general, generational um, incarceration, generational drug abuse, generational trauma and that was kind of my first exposure to that. I moved over to child welfare from there um, as a case manager and on top of working the normal case manager, child welfare case manager cases. I also had the drug court case programs for a while, which gave you a whole different aspect of drug abuse, what it entails, how generational it is, how you can, you know, your children will mimic the behaviors of the bio parent, all of that fun substance abuse and addiction, mental health trauma. And then from there, I went into licensing and started working with foster homes and saw just how much trauma came into not, you know, it wasn't only the bio family, but it's the foster families that also feel the trauma of the children and also Likes, oh, yeah. experience it firsthand and no, none of these parties, the bio families, the foster families, the children, the gals, the social workers, no one no one's talking about this population. No one's talking about the trauma that all of us are having in this system. No one's talking well, everyone's talking about how the system screwed up. But no, no everybody's favorite topic <laughs> But no one's addressing our our emotions, our psyche, our how we are doing. Not even the system, but the people in the system we need to be our best selves and the kids need to be able to have resources to become their best selves as they become adults. And I've just kind of seen a void of services being provided for those issues. For the trauma of the children for the trauma of the bio parents for the trauma of the foster parents, the case managers, the gals, no one's addressing how to process that and continue functioning while experiencing more trauma because the trauma's not going to go away. And the reason I recognize this was because I started working with a nonprofit called Yoga for First Responders. And we teach first responders and military personnel the same thing. When I worked for that nonprofit, we teach that you can't make the stress go away. You can't make the trauma go away, but you can learn how to process it and help it be more Prepared and proactive next time you experience trauma. That's kind of what inspired me to start bringing yoga and breathwork to the child welfare system because I don't see anyone else doing it. I've seen how um, beneficial it has been for the uh, first responders and military personnel that I've worked with. I've literally traveled the country with this uh, with the nonprofit yoga for first responders, teaching yoga to them. That's based on specific needs that they have. So there should be something for everyone in our population for the specific needs. We have, because a lot of it has to do with lack of regulation, whether it's the bio parents, the foster parents, you know, the case managers, the burnout, whatever it is, we're not regulating and we're not processing. And we just
0: keep going, keep going, keep going. Because because like we're all in this reactive instead of proactive. Exactly. Because everything is urgent and everything is so much and so big and you don't have time to like go back and stop and think about what's going on. So that's definitely something that we could all do better. And if you think about that environment we're raising a child in that environment.
1: right? So we're all reactive and oh my God, freaking out and shaking and panicking. Yeah. And then
0: that's what the child is absorbing. Right. So, and that's like their brain development is so much about like what their environment is, right? Yes, exactly. So one thing that is
1: really cool about breath work and yoga is that it can actually change your brain. Like you can actually change the structures of your brain and how your brain is functions. Wow. And you can do it yourself. It's called neuroplasticity. Okay. There's a whole bunch of science behind it. We can do a whole episode just on the science if anyone wants to listen to it one <laughs> yes. day. Yes. But through breath work you can hack your autonomic nervous system or your system that runs automatically. So like your heartbeat, your your breathing, things like that. That you're... I mean should we be hacking our heartbeat? <laughs> no but that's the thing. So that's and that's a good question. So one thing, I wouldn't want just anybody hacking my heartbeat. So, <laughs> well, so just, when you hack your autonomic nervous system you're hacking your breath work. The only other thing that your autonomic nervous system does that you can hack is blinking. So you'll blink without thinking about it, but you can also blink on command, but it would be really silly for us to sit here and try to blink to help us become mindful. Like that would just, (laughs) we'd all look really strange and it wouldn't, (laughs) and we would all be laughing and it wouldn't help. So that's why we do breath work. Okay. So when you breathe specifically nasal breathing through your nose in and out through your nose, most people will breathe in through their nose and breathe out through their mouth. Breathing in and out through the nose helps you access your autonomic nervous system. And more importantly, helps you regulate between your parasympathetic nervous system and your sympathetic nervous system
0: okay what's the difference between your parasympathetic those two words
1: <laughs> <laughs> so your parasympathetic nervous system is your i don't want to say normal but it's your rest and digest so like when we're just sitting here and hanging out your nervous system's doing its thing it's keeping your immunity levels up it's keeping your metabolism going making sure your hair is growing all of the things your sympathetic nervous system is i, th- I think of it for people to remember as like your body's being sympathetic towards your simp- situation you're in So that's the fight, fright or freeze. You know, you see a bear and you get your adrenaline rushed and you're running away from the bear or you get a car accident and now your arms are shaking
0: on the steering wheel because you have all this adrenaline pumping through you. So the sympathetic nervous system is the thing that gets dysregulated or do both of them?
1: The dysregulation comes from being stuck
0: In In that sympathetic sympathetic. nervous system.
1: Because what happens is, I see this a lot with traumatized children, is you have to regulate the system and go back to that parasympathetic state, but it takes time to regulate. So it can take 24 to 48 hours in a white room with no noise and no sound to regulate from your sympathetic nervous system to your parasympathetic nervous system. And no one has a white room or 24 to 48 (laughs) hours to sit that long. I barely have an hour to sit. (laughs) Exactly. Other mammals have the ability to shake out the stress or the trauma and really? that's how they regulate so one of the examples what animals do that? so one of the examples I learned through my yoga for first responder training was so there's a gazelle will do it so like say there's a cheetah chasing the gazelle in the I don't know wherever they live Amazon I don't know I'm not sure the, the Serengeti Serengeti sure. let's go with that so the cheetah gets the cheetah doesn't get it it gives up it runs away the gazelle survived it's behind a rock hiding you'll see the gazelle literally and they can't see this on the podcast but they'll shake and go Whoa! Brenna is now shaking her arms and her head and making horsey noises. So and that's how they process the stress and the trauma and that sympathetic nervous system and the adrenaline and the cortisol and all of those feelings out of their body so that they can reset and go about their day. Wow. But humans have this thing called a mind or a self-conscious. Wait, but go, if we
0: did that, would we be OK? It would work. So there's literally sh- people who teach it <laughs> to humans to shake and make noises. <laughs> so when I'm stressed, I'm going to shake my arms That's and, why people and, like dancing. And, and breathe like a horse. That's why people like dancing
1: because it makes oh. them feel better. Oh. OK. Moving, shaking, singing. Yoga is another mindful tool because the human body has developed a mind. We go, oh, we can't look like that. Oh, we can't. That's embarrassing. We're shaking. I mean, yeah. Look at that random person shaking in the mall. (laughs) Why is she doing that? Why is she making those weird horse noises with her lips? And so we don't do that. And so dad comes home and gets in a domestic dispute with mom. You go into the sympathetic nervous state it goes up. Think of like a temperature rising. So it slowly has to come down. Then drug dealer comes over. Mom gets drugs. She gets high. So it goes back up. It has to slowly come back down. Cops come, goes back up. It never has the chance to go from 10 back down to zero because it keeps getting pushed up there. So there's no time for regulation. So then the body just gets stuck in that fight, flight, or freeze response. And then we have no tool to get it out. And then that's why there's hikes and cortisol and adrenaline. And then we have all these kids get diagnoses of ADD and ADHD and OCD and yeah. ODD and ASD.
0: And- I'm just going to keep, yeah, yeah, all of these, all of the D's.
1: And it's just, it's, I'm, I'm not going to say it's just because some people do have actual diagnoses, yeah. but it's trauma. The first and foremost thing that should be being addressed is the trauma and how their body is processing it because they can process it physically where they have stomach pains and stomach problems and digestion issues, which people don't think about with the infants. Think of how all the infants, have you ever had one infant who didn't have some type of digestional no, they issue. they all have exactly. like the worst So it's way. not it's, that they're not processing the trauma or have issues Just coming out in their crap. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> it can come out in behaviors. You know, it can come out in lack of behaviors. I've been experiencing that with my five-year-old. The moment anything happens that's not happy, he freezes immediately. And it's so different than what I see with a lot of children. You see them kick and scream and act out. He freezes and looks like he's about to his eyes out because you just like told him that you were taking everything away from him. Every single time. Yeah. So that's how the body responds. He spilled the juice and his body went to someone getting hurt and like crying yeah that's an example of that trauma response and getting stuck there there has been multitudes of studies showing how yoga breath work and mindfulness techniques can be used to help regulate back to the parasympathetic nervous system so that you're only using the sympathetic nervous system when you're actually
0: supposed to when there's actually an emergency you're actually in danger you actually so that's supposed to actually be at zero most of the time except for when there's an actual emergency going on yes. and when we're stuck in this trauma phase being triggered by trauma, we're stuck in the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And how does that affect the parasympathetic nervous system when you're stuck over here all the time? So the parasympathetic nervous system,
1: like I said, that has to do with your digestion. It has to do with your immunity system. It has to do with your hair and nails and skin growing. It has to do with everything that's not going to save your life. So Anything that your body does that isn't going to save your life, you're just there to live. That's your parasympathetic nervous system. So think about your body not helping your immunity be strong. Your body not helping your metabolism. Which is why these so. kids get sick and they're always sick when mm-hmm. they come into care. So it, and your body's not having a good digestion, not good metabolism. Your kidneys aren't going to run a good... Anything that has to do with that type of, like I said, not emergency type system is going to be affected. Um, For boys, it lowers the testosterone. I mean, it lowers testosterone for everyone, but you'll see it more so in the male population. So there's a a whole slew of issues. Sleeping problems. Um, Because the cortisol is so high, when you get older, you can get heart issues. Things of that nature. I'm working with a 19-year-old who aged out of foster care who um, has a medical diagnosis that affects her heart in terms of if she stands up her heart rate goes up 30 beats per minute just from standing up just from standing up or sitting down but that stress was from her like that that didn't just happen she had been traumatized so much her heart has been racing so (laughs) you know just think about what her heart has been through yeah it shows itself in many ways so what we do was through breath work inhalation and exhalation through the nose, you can access the autonomic nervous system and you can help it regulate between the two. With your inhalations, you activate the sympathetic nervous system. And with the exhalations, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is why if anyone's ever heard anything about breath work, they always tell you to make your exhalations longer than your inhalations. Okay. So you inhale for three, exhale for five, because you're using that parasympathetic nervous system to help it have a longer time in your body. There's ways to teach this to different populations within the child welfare system. First and foremost, I'm trying to bring it to the children because I think that for so many reasons, they need this. One, because like you said, they're in this chaotic, hectic, intense Environment all the time, and they should be able to have a way to regulate and be taught a way to regulate. Two, when I've watched a multitude of presentations um, with my history of yoga for first responders, we always say to the first responders, like, imagine if you were taught this when you were a child, like when you were taught brushing your teeth. Like, imagine the tools you would have now.
0: Something you mentioned that we were actually just talking about in another episode uh, about the whole generational thing. You know how we talk all the time on this podcast about what can we do to have less kids come into foster care. Right? Right. We mm-hmm. ask everybody who comes in that. One of the things that we were talking about is consider the generational cycle of foster care. We've got these kids in the system right now. Why aren't we doing more to make sure that they're not coming back mm-hmm. right as parents? So if we're teaching them the breathwork now when they get older mm-hmm. and they're repeating the mistakes of their parents, yes. they will have the resiliency and the tools to make maybe work through the trauma so that exactly. the trauma isn't driving their decision in their life. Yeah
1: exactly and that's why I think it's so crucial that we teach it to all kids but the reason I'm so drawn to the child welfare system is because like these kids are literally have you ever seen it just there's a video where like all these kids hold their hands and they'll say like if you had this step forward like if you had two parents in your home step forward if you had two parents with jobs step forward and it shows these kids getting left behind because they don't have those things right and so when I think of that video I always think of our kids in the child welfare system like they don't have a running start like they're left behind. So if we can teach them this tool that's life changing, imagine the impact it will have on them. Right. Not only in the now when they're children, but also when they become adults. And that's also why I want to teach it to the bio parents too, though, because no one taught them how to regulate. They're part of this generational cycle. They're a victim of the cycle. Right. It just like everyone likes to look at them as the bad guy, but they're really just the victim yeah. of the cycle themselves. They're just the kids that we had 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Or five years ago. Yeah, depending know. on some of the teenagers. <laughs> but so that's why I want to bring it to all of the populations, right? When I say bring yoga to the populations, I don't mean like so. Mostly, when people think of yoga, yeah. they think of a white girl, yeah, skinny, yeah, in like these fancy pink yoga pants, yoga pants, pants <laughs> yoga pant, exactly, okay, with some bedazzled yoga bag and like a macchiato in her hands, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you think of when you yeah. think yoga. Yoga is actually five thousand years old. I always kind of tie it to martial arts so people can understand the lineage of it. Yeah. It was used to train warriors. For battle and women used to not be able to even do it when they first created it so wow. this whole like feminine <laughs> soft easy kind like it's yeah. that's not the actual image and it's kind of just become westernized so it's become Americanized and it's become a brand so that's not what I'm bringing I'm bringing the actual training that is used to help someone grow both mind and body because everyone's either focused on oh I need to go to a mental health therapist my mind hurts her oh I need to go to the gym I'm over weight and I have diabetes, but no one's thinking, why don't I work on both at once? And that's literally that's the best way to do it. Not because, you know, killing two birds with one stone. I have a friend who said once, uh, letting two birds free with one key, because it wasn't violent.
0: (laughs) And I I like that better, right?
1: So it's letting two birds free with one key, but it's also optimal function of the mind and body. Because your mind doesn't work on its own. Like you don't just sit on a chair and mind all day. You have to use your body. You Like you can't just sit there. You have to eat. You have to move. You have to use your hands. You have to do things. Yeah. And you also can't just be body because then your body wouldn't move because you didn't have a mind. Right. So why are we training them separately?
0: Yeah. I, I think that like both of them together are the answer for pretty much anything yeah. health wise. So the biggest thing is yoga isn't, it's not a religion. A lot of people think that. Yeah. It's a mindfulness practice. Right. Uh, I think it's been used in religion. Yes. So people assume like, like a lot of people who I know that are Christians are like, I'm not going to do yoga because that's like against God yes. or you're idolizing something else. You can do yoga and pray to whatever God yes. you have or I, don't have. I mean, it's, it's I think a what, a what we have to do is back it up to what it is at its core, which isn't praying to this God or praying to that God, but it's a tool and, to be healthy. Yeah, that's
1: all it is. It's a tool to be healthy. It's the most practical tool in some situations
0: because you don't need stuff right no you literally (laughs) just need your body
1: you don't even need limbs like we i this has been taught to veterans who are like quadriplegics like you don't you literally just need to sit still and breathe the yoga you know I'm not saying when I'm working with the families I'm not saying namaste or telling you some god you know buddhist story right. none of the, I'm not using the what people hear a lot like the sanskrit words or I'm like savasana or yeah. Skandas-, like I'm not You know, we're just gonna yeah. call it poses that the kids can understand right
0: things like you know camel cat cow <laughs> animals they love animals I think there's this like nexus between yoga and martial arts and also occupational therapy (laughs) because the stretches that my son does in his occupational therapy, I look at them and I'm like, oh, that's this from yoga. Oh, that's that's this from Tai Chi. Like they're all so similar. And I think they all are focusing on helping the same systems in our body. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was always the, you know, Eastern philosophy
1: before there was the Western science. So with the occupational therapy, I would definitely say that came from the yoga, the martial arts, you know, the Tai Chi. I had the Elise, by the way, and it was amazing. Just have to put that out there because we talked about it last time I was here. I'm so glad you enjoyed Elise. (laughs) So with the yoga, I'm taking all of the Americanized stuff out, all of the namaste, any of the things that may may make people feel uncomfortable um, because it kind of associates with some type of religious belief. I'm just using the mind and body practice. And that's what I'm bringing. So only like what the actual important part of the practice is, that's what I'm teaching. I know with some people, like it sounds silly, like, oh, yoga for like a trauma treatment for children that kind of you know a bold statement, but there's actually a lot of studies out there that have been using this not only with the children, but also there's studies out there recommending it for the social workers and the caregivers, and you know like I said, the bio parents before, and they're using it with. I read a study from Boston University that referenced doing a eight week practice with the children orphaned children who survived in Haiti hmm. when all of that happened and with the earthquake. So there was seven-year-olds and up and they said there was about like 40 children and they did an eight-week practice with them they said um after the eight-week practice of using breathing techniques postures meditations and being consistent with the practice which is very important uh there was positive results um seen in all trauma-related symptoms um for them for that eight-week program so there's a bunch of studies out there there's another one from um Uh, Georgetown Law Center on Poverty and Equality, and it was talking about the benefits for at-risk youth within the juvenile centers, which we have a lot of teens that go out of the juvenile centers for the child welfare system. It works specifically with females, but The benefits of the yoga showed better coping skills, increased in emotional regulation, increase in neurological and physical health outcomes, healthier parenting practices for those who are teen moms. Yeah. Which that's insane. Like they're taking the techniques. Well, it's not insane. I believe it, but some people (laughs) (laughs) it's insane to other people that, that, you know, immediately with you know a 12 week program and then they're taking what they use and using it with their own children. Um, as well as it helps them specifically find a better sense of self. Mm self-esteem, self-respect, and just overall general health and well-being. It also helps them use breathing to avoid aggressive responses um, and provocative situations, whether it's from peers or a case managers,
0: <laughs> That's huge Because most of these kids, like the biggest thing is that the slightest thing can trigger them, especially mm-hmm. in classrooms mm-hmm. where you're getting a call every day. Oh, so-and-so looked at him funny. So he like threw a book at him, mm-hmm. you know, that's like a very common thing is the overreaction mm-hmm. because of the trauma response. We're saying that the breath work and yoga studies have shown is going to decrease that. That's incredible.
1: It's absolutely insane how easy it is to implement as well, which is why I want to share it with the foster parents, because even just the five weeks of me having um, my five-year-old, there was a time where he was getting really frustrated trying to buckle a seatbelt I just started freaking out. And I was like, watch mommy. And I closed my mouth and and I breathed through my nose and I breathed out my nose and then he did it. And then he took a second, and then he buckled his seatbelt. Oh gosh, that could have been a complete meltdown for oh, five percent. So the like. I didn't even tell them like, hey, we're going to do breathing. Like, no, you don't have to explain to them the technique you're using.
0: It can just you don't tell them, hey, we're using positive parenting when you positively parent them. You just just use it. And one of the cool things is that like you can even do it with babies and Mm -hmm. they replicate it Mm -hmm. um, because they just hear you breathing. They always say breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. And you're saying use the nose for both. So why are we using the nose for both? And what is the benefit of that? So you can breathe through your mouth. I'm not saying don't breathe through your mouth. There are breath techniques out there that tell
1: you to breathe through, through your mouth okay there's breath te- techniques out there that tell you to only breathe through your mouth okay for the purpose of calming and regulating and kind of bringing to a nice regulation or baseline yeah breathing in through the nose and out through the nose because
0: that's what we want to do
1: yes like the calming the
0: mouth, is what we're looking for man <laughs> yes
1: because the mouth can be activating because if you think of someone who's stressed out or tired or exhausted or in a traumatic experience and they're breathing you think of someone and I'll explain it after I do it but I'll am gonna make the noise first where they go (gasps) yeah (sighs) so their mouth's open they're breathing in and out quickly their shoulders are rising up and down their necks tensed and you know they're breathing in through their chest and out through their chest they're not using their lower belly at all or anything like that and so when you breathe through your mouth and you mimic that Mm -hmm. it tells your brain activated oh so you can't use a breath technique that your body associates with stress. Stress
0: for when you're trying to calm. Yes. That, that totally makes sense. Yes.
1: There are calming techniques where like you purse your lips, like you're going to like give someone a kiss and like blow. Yeah. Or I use, I actually use this with my foster son today when we were at the doctor's because he had to pee in a cup and oh. he couldn't pee in a cup. <laughs> so if you inhale through your nose and then blow out your lips, like you're blowing on a cup of soup or something hot, it actually helps you go to the bathroom. Oh, good to know yes so it's really good for kids yeah but it's also you can take it and use it in your bathroom like whatever <laughs> but i gotta go and i can <laughs> so I can he was go. having trouble peeing because yeah. i was like i was holding a cup and he was looking at me and we're awkward because he's oh. five and like he's yeah. you know it's mommy's holding a cup for him to go yeah. potty in so <laughs> i had him do it i said i put my hand out. i said pretend this is uh what did i say i said pretend this is hot food and i had him. i said <laughs> and he did it and he mimicked it and he there's another one cuz you were saying with the babies they sync with you yeah it's not just babies it's anyone. Like, you can lay on your significant other's chest, and your breathing will sync with them. Mm-hmm. So, it's a very intimate thing, but it's also very coming, because yeah. your body releases this thing called oxytocin. Yes. Um, the good stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> oxytocin, you feel it when you give a hug, when you give a kiss. Birthing a child, your body releases a crapload of it. That's when why you spill your baby's head, right? Yeah, that's why That's why people go back and have second kids, because <laughs> of the oxytocin. Not because <laughs> the, it is. Your body's drugging <laughs> you to make you want more, because you're like, oh my God, I love this. The children, whatever age they they are teenagers, eight-year-olds, babies. They can sync up with you in something as simple as, like, they're crying, and you hug them, and you just start breathing deeply. You don't tell them you're doing it, but yeah. I've done it with I've done it with my five-year-old foster son. I've also done it with his sister, who's in the other home, because she was sleeping over, and she started crying because she bit one of the other kids. No. <laughs> she, she was the one who did the thing, but she was the... <laughs> anyway, she was bawling <laughs> her eyes out. And instead of addressing that she bit someone first and yelling at her I said oh you look like you're sad because you're crying I said when I'm sad I want a hug do you want a hug oh and she said yes so she hugged me how old is she six no and so I started breathing deeply through my nose in and out through my nose and by the second breath she was doing it with me and had stopped crying literally two breaths that's all it took to have a to prevent a temper tantrum From a six-year-old who just got in trouble for biting her brother. (laughs) (laughs) Two breaths. That's all it took. Like, it's not hard to implement these practices. They're just
0: not taught to anyone. As you're speaking, I'm thinking of, like, eight million different things that I should be responding with in that way (laughs) instead of in a different way. And I'm not saying, like, because...
1: We're parents and we get frustrated because kids can be frustrating. Yeah. And those feelings are valid. We are valid in our feelings of aggravation and like, oh, my God, just do the thing. (laughs) That is totally valid to feel. Yeah. But the actions is, okay. this is a traumatized child in a foster home. They need the most gentle, positive parenting they can get in these situations. Because of what they've been through. So how can I come at this in a way that's going to regulate them Mm -hmm. so that we can calm the situation down first and then address the situation?
0: Because we're all trying to address these heightened kids. And when you're in that state of trauma, you don't hear, you don't process, you don't think logically. So trying to like teach them something in that moment is not going to work. The, the more effective way to teach is to wait until they're in a place where they can hear it. Yes, exactly. So you can help them regulate, whether it's through hugging them and
1: breathing with them, um, whether it's a pra- like a couple times with my five-year-old foster son, we've, he has one he thinks is really funny. Um, if you think of uh, the three monkeys, like the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. So we do the speak no evil. So he'll cover his mouth. I'm covering my mouth. You just can't see it because it's a podcast. (laughs) And then I have him breathe through his nose. And that's how I taught him how to breathe through his nose. We made it like a fun. Covering the mouth. Yeah. We made it a fun game. So we'd be like see no evil, cover your ears, hear no evil, cover your ears, you know, speak no evil, cover your mouth. And then I have him do like five breaths through his nose. And that's how I taught him to breathe through his nose. It's, you know, it's a five year old. You can teach it to a five year old. It's the the possibilities are endless. It can be taught to anyone. And it's so needed in this high stress, high traumatized environment. So yeah, that's what I want to, I want to bring it to all the populations and teach the foster parents how to bring it to their kids and how to apply it in their own life and regulate their own life. Even when it's the things that don't have to do with the children, all of this breath work talk. And we didn't even get into any of the physical benefits of yoga. Like we just (laughs) talked about breathing and how awesome breathing is. Set aside like all of the other benefits that yoga has through the physical movement and building resiliency of the mind. So if you help this population, meaning all of the parties, use this practice, use the breath work, use the yoga, the benefits are an optimal functioning of their mind and body. So now think of all of the parties that we're working with, the foster parents. Think of the foster parents performing at optimal function, like all of the foster parents.
0: I mean, because we're we're probably all performing at negative, yes, burnout, <laughs> negative maximum. We are all performing burnout, burnout. malfunction. Right after the past couple of years, especially, but anybody who's been doing this for an amount of time, like we are all probably, you know, hanging on by our teeth. Yeah. And, and I've had a conversation with
1: um, my support system about the importance of healthy boundaries as a foster parent, which I've experienced multiple times in the past <laughs> five weeks that I've been one is people call you all the time yeah. for you to break your boundaries. Yes as a foster parent. Yes. Placement, case manager, licensing
0: specialist, they're calling you and asking you to do things. And especially new foster parents yes. feel like, "Oh, I got to do everything." The minute they say it, I can never say no. I have to do what they what yes. I'm told because they're scared of because you have to do all these things to get licensed and you just have to follow all the directions and then you're licensed and you feel like you have to keep, it's not that you need to like break rules or do anything wrong, but for goodness sake, you're allowed to say, "I no. can't do this on this day. <laughs> I'm not available at that yes. time." You know, I'm aware that I'm allowed to say no. You know, if I'm able to help, I will look, dude, I'll jump through the moon for you if it'll help these kids, mm-hmm. but also am not willing to sacrifice my family's well-being mm-hmm to make myself a crazy lunatic by running around constantly and doing all the things they want me to do mm-hmm. because they're short-handed. Yeah. So you have to say no. You have yeah. to put your boundaries up.
1: And that was something I taught a lot when I taught PPT as a licensing specialist. I'm like you need to have your boundaries written down, whatever they are, whether we're talking about, you know, no visits on Sunday cuz it's family day or yeah. whatever your deal breakers are with taking placements, whatever your boundaries are as a household. Yeah. Like you have to write them down and look at them and stick to them. Imagine We give the breathing techniques and the yoga techniques to the foster parents. Now they're performing optimally. Yes. One of my first thoughts since I've become a foster mom is I have awareness of my boundaries because I take a second, I breathe, and I know myself. I have a sense of self. Instead of just immediately responding. And now imagine all of the foster parents who didn't listen to their boundary... Took a placement they weren't. So they originally was against their boundary, but they did anyway, and then disrupted. Yeah. Imagine how much of that could be prevented. Right. All that is unnecessary time and money and effort from all parties. Yeah. When we have those disruptions. Yeah. And if you just take a moment and be like, "Okay, is this against my boundary? Is this a boundary that I said that I said, you know, my family can't handle four? Mm-hmm. We can only handle three, or you know, whatever yeah. that may be. You know yourself. You know, you said you wouldn't be able to take some child with X Y Z issue, yeah. and you take them in because it's or the brother, this particular or whatever, age, or, and yeah. you don't feel comfortable with it. And now you're trying to do something to help someone else, but now you're self-sacrificing. And then the disruption happens, or burnout, or someone gets tremendously ill, because when people get burnout, they can get sick. Yeah, I've had that happen to foster moms where they got like deathly ill, and they were overstressed. Imagine that not happening. Now take it to the case managers and the licensing specialists. Imagine them performing optimally, you know, imagine the gals performing optimally, the attorneys now taking it to the bio parents, like giving them a second to realize who they actually are. Because we're not doing that. We're giving them a list of tasks. We talked about this on episode 33. There's so many different types of therapy services out there to help someone. Right. And not all of them are the right fit for everyone. So we can't just prescribe CBT therapy to all of our bio parents. Right. It doesn't work with everyone. It didn't work with me.
0: You know, I different routes of therapy worked for me. I know that everybody needs a different therapy, but I think we could all learn breathing. Yes. I think that's something that, like, across the board. When you're working
1: with someone, it has to be, and I'm, I'm not saying it has to be me, I'm just saying it has to be someone who's trauma-informed to the child welfare-specific population.
0: Right, so we can't just go get any yoga teacher and think that that's going to solve all of our trauma processing problems. Yeah, I always say Sally
1: Sue Yoga. I don't know if it's a, It's just the, like the fake name that I make up. I'm like, There's a Sally Sue Yoga I'm out sure there dying. This poor Sally Sue <laughs> Yoga has never had a customer because I tell everyone not to go to her. I always say, you can't just go to Sally Sue Yoga up the road because Sally Sue Yoga doesn't understand the child welfare system, doesn't understand the dynamics of a caregiver relationship to a child in care doesn't understand the, the bio parents and what they've been through. There's don't understand like the case manager's hardships and what they're going through. So you need someone who understands the system, but then also can apply it on the yoga mat as an example of like, don't walk up behind I'm just gonna say abuse victims you're not gonna walk up behind them and hold, you know touch their back to tell them and something that's,
0: when you said that um to me a time ago that was something that really clicked in my head um and that, I think that more than anything in discussing how this needs to be handled because like I've taken yoga classes I took them when I was a kid I've taken them in as an adult they almost always put their hands on you you yeah. know they're helping you put your body in the right place and most of the time that's the easiest way to do it is like here move your back this way or put this arm over here. But knowing how some of my foster kids have felt like sometimes even shoulder rubbing them like they freak out yeah. so
1: well and one of the things you just said is like easy it's the easiest way to move it that doesn't necessarily mean it's the
0: best, best way to do it right and
1: not even just trauma-informed but we're trying to teach anyone doing yoga is understanding their body and understanding how their body moves and how their body works so when you move someone's arm for them to put it where it needs to be they didn't move their arm where it was supposed to be <laughs> right. you need to have them move their arm with where it's supposed right. to be it's the same way with bio parents like you can't do everything at the visits for them right they have to do it you have to let them do the thing to learn the thing (laughs) so having someone who's trauma-informed and specific to the child welfare population is really important and another example of this say you have someone who's trauma-informed but has experience like me as well working in the first responder military population. Right. We do a we yoga for first responders to a they call it a neurological reset. It's the words meditation that the, the public uses. Um that's one of their like coined terms is they do one that's called safe at home. So it's talking about a talking to a first responder while they're breathing and in a very calm state about imagine you're going home, your shift just ended and you're going home to be safe. Imagine how nice the house is. You wouldn't use that with a child in care.
0: Right, you wouldn't
1: use that with a bio parent because their home is not safe. You don't want them to imagine their home being (laughs) like you. You know, you're not going to tell them to imagine going home safe because what if they, you know, were physically abused? And
0: a lot of them don't even understand the concept of safe.
1: Exactly. Because they think where they were was safe because they're just with mom and dad or whoever their caregiver is. So that's important when working with someone who is not only just trauma-informed, but trauma-informed for the population they're working with. Right. That's why I think it's really important that someone create something for the child welfare system, which is why I'm starting the child welfare yoga because I'm making different styles and different um, practices for all the different populations. So the foster parents will have their own techniques. The bio parents will have their own techniques. The children will have techniques. The parents will have um, tactics to use with the children. Like everyone can have all of it. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. You also a big one that most people don't think of is you don't say, close your eyes. You can say if you would like to close your eyes, you can. If you're more comfortable with your eyes open, your eyes can stay open too because they've been through so much like that you're going to take their sight away. That yeah. makes them feel vulnerable in a way that they might not it, And be it could give them anxiety. Yeah, it could make them literally get triggered in the moment. Yeah. And also just giving people options to do different things is really important as well. If you go to a yoga studio, depending on the style, they can be like, this is the pose we're doing here. Yeah. You know, some people may not want to lie on the floor to do breathing techniques. Maybe they want to sit in the chair. Maybe, right. you know, something bad happens, you know, things of that nature. So just having those
0: understanding is really important. So, Brenna, can you teach us something that we can use that you can somehow uh, translate through the microphone? Translate through the microphone. <laughs>
1: Definitely. Um, so, I can teach. We'll just do belly breathing, which is the foundation of the three-part breath, which you can get next time I'm on an episode. Yes. And I'll just give yes. So, we're going to start with just belly breathing. Okay. okay. So, to do that, I'm going to have to fix the microphone so I can sit up straight because okay. right now I'm reclined in a chair. Oh, Nice and comfy. So, everyone, if they're going to do this, they're going to sit up nice and straight wherever they are or stand up nice and straight or lay down nice and straight just make sure your spine is straight if you are seated plant your feet on the ground so that you have you know your hip bones are in a nice spot spine's nice and straight you're gonna take the shoulders roll them up back and then down a lot of people pull them back but the important part is actually pulling them down like you're trying to for women it's where your bra clip is for guys it's essentially where your scapula is at the bottom of your wing that's where you want to pull your back to okay nice tall spine think about bringing your collarbones towards the ceiling. So lifting them up. And then we're taking our hands and we're grabbing our lower belly. So below the belly button, if you have a belt, that's great. You can leave it on because it's actually, you will help feel your belly breath a little bit more. And as I said before, we're breathing through the nose and out the nose. So as you inhale, you'll inhale through the nose and you'll push your belly out like you're filling up a big balloon. When you breathe in, you fill up your balloon. You're going to push your belly out. Yeah. So when you breathe in, you'll push your belly out like a big balloon. And then when you exhale and you breathe out, you're going to pull your belly back like you're pulling your belly button towards your spine. And you're using your lower belly to push all of the air out and up through your nose. Okay. So hands on the belly. You're going to breathe in. Push the belly out. So you'll feel your hands kind of separate a little bit. Nice big belly. Exhale. (sighs) Belly comes back towards the spine. Now, one thing I want to touch on, I'm going to use you because I can see you doing this, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are doing it. Try not to raise your shoulders. So a lot of people breathe in their shoulders and their chest. And that's that stress response, that yeah. sympathetic nervous system. And it's but that's how people have started to naturally breathe. Yeah. Which it's not natural. We're stressed. <laughs> it's exactly everyone's stressed out all the time. So think about trying to breathe slowly through your belly and pushing all of the air like you got a big <laughs> I was <gonna> your <laughs> belly. Yeah. So one more time, inhale, push through the belly. Exhale. <laughs> belly falls back towards the spine. And again inhale through the belly. <sighs> Exhale, belly falls back towards the spine. One more time. Inhale, push the belly. Exhale, back towards the spine. And by the way, shoulders are not moving anywhere. She is doing it right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how'd that feel? It feels good. It feels different. It, different. And yes. when people practice it, they yes. actually... Some people who have been very big chest breathers their whole life, they actually say they're like, they feel their core getting sore because they're using muscles that they haven't used before. (laughs) Wow. Yes. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast of me talking about how none of us use our core the right way. Oh my goodness. But so that's called the belly breath. Yeah. What I recommend is it only takes three minutes a day to make an impact on your life. Okay. Okay. So everyone's challenge until my next episode is to do three minutes of belly breathing at least
0: four times a week. You're saying you can even do that when you're laying down, right? So you could literally be doing this when you're, when you first wake up, but you don't have to get out of bed yet. Those five minutes that you get sometimes after you wake up, before you actually lift yourself out of the bed, Mm -hmm. that could be the time where you do that. Mm -hmm. And if you just do it four times a week, you're saying that's going to make an impact. Well, I would say every day. Okay. But for my non-believers, I would challenge them to
1: do it four times a week only because there's just a saying, if you do something four times a week, you're doing it more in the week than you're not doing it. I would say, my, my, like, if you want extra credit, every single day, three minutes. Every day. Every day, three, three minutes. minutes. And it's literally a mindfulness practice. Right. Now, one thing I want you, And everyone listening to think about, though, is to be mindful, you have to be aware in the moment and have intention behind what you're doing. So you can't have your hand on your belly and be washing the dishes and be feeding a child, (laughs) getting ready to leave the house. Normal
0: life, but probably the only time where you're not doing eight things at once as a mom of, you know, six, seven, eight, whatever, is when I'm laying in bed right before I have to get up. And,
1: And the reason it's so important to have that practice is because yoga and breathwork practice and training is applicable to real life. So if you take the time to breathe for three minutes through your belly, the way you're supposed to using your diaphragm over time, when you're in those stressful situations doing eight things at once, you're going to stop breathing through your chest and you're going to to start breathing through your belly. And then you're going to start making rational, more rational decisions. And then you're going to stop being impulsive. And then you're going to (laughs) get yourself in situations that stress you out. (laughs) And then you're going to be, you know, a better mom, a better parent, a better wife, whatever it may be. So just taking those three minutes to breathe and put all of your focus on just breathing can literally
0: change your whole life, like a ripple effect or a butterfly effect. That's really cool. Brenna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for everything that you shared and the knowledge you imparted. We really appreciate you. And I'm so excited about your foster journey. Thank you. Come back soon. I am so excited to come back. Thank you so much for
1: joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.